Ellsworth welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We have a special guest with us today. I'm so happy to have Dr. Jonathan Moschelle in the studio today. Dr. Michelle's specialty is family medicine, and he works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Good morning, Dr. Michelle. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate you joining us here at the radio studio today. Tell us about yourself and, and how long you've been in Brookings now. Yes, I've been in Brookings for about six months. Okay. Um, I grew up in Beersford and did undergraduate school at South Dakota State University. I did medical school and residency out in Virginia and um, was fortunate to get a job back home close to our family. Yeah, excellent. And tell us about your family. Um, I'm here with my wife, Taylor. She also graduated from South Dakota State and then two children, Jack and Lucy, and they are both learning how to walk and use the bathroom and things like that. Oh, busy, happy house. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Lots going on there. That's great. So you you and your wife are both SDSU grads. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, we met in Brookings. Okay. And where were you from before that? I grew up in Beersford. Beersford, that's what you said. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, happy to have you back in Brookings. What's it What's it been like coming back to this this town, not as a college student, but as a, a professional and family well, man? Yes, I've had to clear about 200% more snow than ever before. <laughs> Maybe 300, 400%. Sure. Um, yeah. I did remember the weather or the winter, um, but yeah. Other than that, it's been it's been great. We've got uh, yeah. Brookings is a great place to live. We have good neighbors. Um, the clinic is a great place to go to work with our staff. Um, so I think the transition couldn't have been better in a lot of ways. Yeah, great. So what made you interested in medicine? For me, medicine was a combination of interest in science and in people. It was kind of the perfect match of um, yeah these interests or, or passions of mine. I couldn't think of anything else to do, and, and so that's what I did. Sure. Is it something you've always kind of wanted to do for a long time, or did you figure it out kind of later? Yeah, I would I would explain it as a lack of interest in anything else. <laughs> I was kind of searching for something to do, and yeah. without finding that, I decided to, to go into medicine. Yeah. Excellent. Stand-up comedy was always out there, but... <laughs> <laughs> I can get back to that at some point. There you go. I'm sure that you could probably combine those careers, being a medical director. And HIPAA makes up. yeah, HIPAA makes that difficult, but sure. at some point maybe. There you go. Very good. Excellent. Well, maybe you can just share some of your comedy here with us on the radio this morning. That would be great. That too. would be great. Yeah. So. Perfect. Well, I think we'll go to our first break and let our listeners um, call in with any questions. Dr. Michelle is a family doc, so we're open to any questions that you may have. Uh, You can give us a call at 605-692-1430. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Hospice is medical care designed to maximize comfort and quality of life for patients facing terminal illnesses. Hospice provides pain management, emotional support, help with family care, and spiritual care to the patient and their family when a cure is not possible. Brookings Health System 
employs a caring team of professionals and volunteers sensitive to the changing needs of patients and family members during this difficult time. To find out more about hospice in the Brookings, South Dakota area, call 696-9000 or talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Dr. Jonathan Moschel here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Moschel practices family medicine at the Vera Medical Group Brookings. He's been in Brookings for about six months, and we're happy to have him on the radio today. And he's here to answer your questions, so give us a call at 605 692 1430. So our Prairie Doc topic this week is talking about hypertension and high blood pressure. So Dr. Michelle, let's start. um, What is hypertension? What is high blood pressure? So generally, um, all of us have a blood pressure, hopefully, if you're listening, all of us need (laughs) a blood pressure. uh, But like anything else, it can be out of control. High blood pressure would be, generally speaking, blood pressure above 140 systolic over 80 diastolic. There is some debate about um, what the actual cutoff for high blood pressure could be or should be, and that could depend on your age. But generally, all of the organizations agree that if your blood pressure is over 140, um, it could and should be better. And really, high blood pressure in the ranges we're talking about, or I would say the first stages of high blood pressure, is not an immediate concern or danger to your life. Really, that could be something you would never feel, and that's why blood pressure in the past um, has been referred to as the silent killer. Mm. Um, But really, over time, we think about high blood pressure as a risk to blood vessels throughout your body, primarily your heart, but also more and more in your brain, your kidneys, and other organs. So that's a a general introduction. Got it. And so... We hear the term hypertension and we hear the term high blood pressure. Are they the same thing? Yes. High blood pressure is what you talk about with family at Thanksgiving and hypertension is what your doctor would say. Okay. They mean the same thing. Okay. Um, So whatever works for you. Okay. They are one and the same, just different terms for the same thing. Yes. Got it. So let's talk about some of those risks that there are if we do identify that we have high blood pressure. So the primary risk that we think about is a risk to the arteries in your heart. We think that blood pressure or high blood pressure is part of a um, a milieu of factors that can damage blood vessels and contribute to blood vessel hardening and plaque formation. Um, So that's the first risk that, that I think about and that we talk about because the heart is one of our more important organs, we could say. Right, right. Okay. So what are some of the things we should... um we can do to help prevent high blood pressure? Um, some of us are able to, to prevent high blood pressure, and that would be people that have blood pressure um, that's raised by our lifestyle factors. So generally speaking, we think about removing excess salt from our diet. We might think about getting off the couch and getting active. But I will say that um, there's some people, despite their best effort, efforts, who still have high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's been running half marathons and marathons for a long time and high blood pressure is just something that's in his family or in his genetics Mm. Um, and that's okay so I would say that if your blood pressure is is high it might be your fault but it also might not (laughs) and really the last thing we should do is blame ourselves 
-hmm. the message for me or from me is that if our blood pressure is too high, we've got some great tools to improve that and to lower our risk of heart attack and stroke. And that is not just limited to, to medication. Okay. Yeah. What are some of the treatment options with high blood pressure? So I think the first place to start is to reflect on our diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is maybe an ex, uh, frequency of eating processed foods, frozen foods, fast food, or even just going out to eat, one thing about salt is it tastes great. And so it's in everything. Mm-hmm. And it's also a preservative. So, and so it's in everything. And so if we can step back, maybe increase fruits and vegetables and cook for ourselves, which can be a challenge, especially if we're busy. Mm-hmm. In making those changes, we can decrease some of the salt that we take in and improve our blood pressure, perhaps. Mm-hmm. The other thing we could do is increase our activity. And the good news there is that from um, the organizations that are studying and looking into heart health, the exercise that can really change the game for your heart um, might be something like 40 minutes a few times a week. So it really doesn't mean going to the you know the gym, getting a trainer, doing anything crazy to get the benefit for your blood vessels and for your uh, blood pressure. Okay, so just getting up and moving. So I would say, yeah, t- yeah at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would help too. So if we have high blood pressure, if we make some of these kind of lifestyle changes, are we able to bring that down? Is it something we can sometimes correct? Yes. Sometimes? Yep. Yeah. And something I didn't mention too is, is our weight. Mm-hmm. When we um, get more overweight or obese, that can raise our blood pressure to some degree. And so with these lifestyle changes, in some ways the target is weight loss. Even 5 to 10 pounds can result in an improvement in our blood pressure. The other thing I would say to patients when we talk about high blood pressure is this isn't a life sentence. This doesn't mean your blood pressure will be high forever. You don't have to become your grandmother. You might be, but um, <laughs> but I... I try to keep the conversation positive and not, you know, this is your diagnosis and this is who you are. You have, you're a hypertensive person and you have to be on this medication every day for the rest of your life. Sure. So you mentioned earlier, it was, it has been known as the silent killer. Um, so yeah, you're right. We have, a, we have a lot to be grateful for. Now we can test pretty easily, right? To yeah, know that, what, that's right. We have it. It's actually one of the few things that we screen for in young adults, um, so for people that are in their 20s and 30s, we're not checking for cancer. We're not screening for um, osteoporosis, for example. But part of why we recommend a physical is to keep an eye on the blood pressure mm-hmm. with the goal of getting ahead of high blood pressure and getting ahead of the complications that can come from high blood pressure over 20 or 30 years. Okay. Now, our, high, our blood pressure isn't steady throughout the day necessarily, correct? That's like, right. That changes. Um, so is there anything we should do or shouldn't do when we're coming in for these appointments so that we get accurate readings for these tests? That's a, uh, a complicated question in a sense. I think about it like brushing your teeth before you go to the dentist. Right. So <laughs> certainly if you don't smoke a cigarette, if you meditate, if you drive five miles an hour, there's lots of things you could do <laughs> to give yourself the best blood pressure when you go to the doctor. Sure. And that's okay. But for me, my concern is that the blood pressure is... Um, not only good, but also accurate and representative of how your blood pressure is most of the time a week. So Mm -hmm. there might be these recipes that people have to get a good blood pressure, and and those are okay. But in some ways, we need to know where your blood pressure is at your worst because we don't want you to be climbing, you know, above 140 at any time. And so sometimes people will notice a lower blood pressure in the morning, 
but then a higher blood pressure in the evening. And I would say that your blood pressure at any time of the day might matter. Um, and so I would say when you're coming for a physical, come in your usual state and then we might or we should get a good impression of where your blood pressure is most of the time. Okay. Is blood pressure something we usually treat on a in a consistent way no matter what or uh, for some people who maybe have a way of testing at home, oh, today I'm high, so today I need to do something different. How do you is it different or is it always consistent? I would say and this goes back to your earlier point the blood pressure system in our body is complex. There's lots of factors that can change day to day. Mm -hmm. And so it is important to screen and identify people or ourselves when we have high blood pressure. But if we do start treatment, monitoring is also important. Um, and that might be monitoring at home um, or coming to the clinic maybe a, more often or a few times a year to make sure that our treatment plan is um, correctly addressing our blood pressure problem. Sure. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like t pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these, these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov quit. Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Dr. Jonathan Moschel here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Moschel practices family medicine at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Call us with your questions at 605-692-1430. Dr. Michelle, we have a question for you. Will medications increase your blood pressure or affect your blood pressure? And specifically, could you talk about aspirin and how that affects it? So I don't know that aspirin would raise blood pressure or contribute to hypertension. I would say that any medication has the potential for side effect. Mm -hmm. And blood pressure is uh, a side effect that we would be concerned about. Um, a common medication that comes to mind would be medication for um, attention problems or ADHD, stimulant medications like Adderall. But there's a, a lot of medications that impact blood pressure either in the positive or raising blood pressure or might contribute to low blood pressure or orthostatic hypotension. So a good question for your doctor with any medication is, what might the side effects of this medication be? 
how might this impact my blood pressure? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would be something that we would monitor if, if this medication was right for you. The other question that might come up is, if you're taking blood pressure medication, how might um, this new medication interact with my blood pressure medication? So all of those things are, are on the table. And just because a medication might cause hypertension does not mean it would cause that for yourself. So I wouldn't discount anything if that's a known side effect. It just might be something we need to monitor. And if you do develop hypertension that we relate to a medication, it would be something to either reduce the dose or change. Okay. Uh, We've been talking mostly about high blood pressure, uh, but low blood pressure is also a problem, right? It can be. It can be a serious problem, especially for older adults. Okay. And what causes low blood pressure? There's a variety of factors that can cause low blood pressure. I think the most important would be to uh, consider medications like we were just talking about. Okay. Medications are something we're actively doing to ourselves potentially every day. And if that's causing us to have a blood pressure that's too low, that's a, an unnecessary danger, which again is why if we have blood pressure problems, either positive for high blood pressure or low blood pressure, it's worth keeping an eye on things. Um, and... There, apart from medications that, so going back to the medications that cause low blood pressure, a common class of medications that cause low blood pressure is our blood pressure medications. We were talking about lifestyle factors um, or healthy habits and weight loss. Sometimes we get started, started on a dose of blood pressure medication that over time becomes too high and our blood pressures can step down. And that's a time to cut back on our blood pressure medication if we're having those side effects like lightheadedness, dizziness, or that kind of thing. Got it. I have a um, 17-year-old friend who uh, went to work. She works at a nursing home, and she was starting to feel real faint, uh, starting to not feel well. And thankfully, she had nurses around her, and so they checked her, and her blood pressure was very low. Um, So when we see a low blood pressure in like a teenager, what are some things that might cause that or be concerning? Or maybe it's not concerning, maybe it's just normal and happens once in a while. Yeah, so you're uh, mentioning symptoms of feeling faint or low blood pressure that can happen to young, healthy, particularly people that are not necessarily underweight, um, but maybe slighter. And that low blood pressure is often um, related to the nervous system, or you could say the vasovagal um, system. And so the blood pressure in that case can can be low and can cause people to pass out, but it's actually evidence of a system that's working well, you could say. Um, But it is something to manage. I think my sister deals with a, a similar set of symptoms. If you are somebody prone to low blood pressure, you do need to be very attentive to what you're eating, particularly taking in salt. You might think about using something like compression socks to keep your you know, fluid up in your chest. Um, mm-hmm. And just be aware that, um, that for some reason your, your blood, vessel, blood vessel system is more sensitive. And take it easy, especially if you're working in healthcare, if you're on your feet all the time, um, to try to ward off those kinds of symptoms. Okay. I would say in some cases, if that... Um, syncope, that low blood pressure or orthostatic hypotension is severe, is symptomatic. We do actually have treatments to bring your blood pressure up. Rarely are those needed, but some patients do end up in that situation. 
Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about compression socks. Those seem like an easy option. Tell us what the benefits are with those. There's a lot of b benefits um, that you could think about with compression socks depending on the problem. Mm -hmm. But if you're dealing with orthostatic hypotension or blood pressure that is low when you go from sitting to standing, when you're working on your feet, really the compression socks are there to help your veins keep the blood coming back to your heart. Your veins and your legs have a lot of work to work as an elevator mm -hmm. with their valves to keep the, the blood moving up. And with your muscles and moving, that's how we return blood to our heart. But when we're sitting for a long time, standing for a long time, our blood can, of course, pool due to gravity. And that's where the compression socks can help. Okay. Dr. Michelle, we had a question come in. Um, this person wants to hear more about uh, your DO training and how that brings some unique um, options for patients into your practice. Yeah, so osteopathic training is, I would say, comparable or similar to tr traditional medical school as far as our classes and, you know, the boards that we take. The one thing that we do in addition is work on manipulation therapy that would be um, most similar to what chiropractors do. That involves um, evaluating the, the body physically for joint, um, joint and muscle symmetry and mobility and tightness. And that helps us to understand in part where symptoms are coming from, like symptoms of chronic joint pain or muscle pain. And then we also practice treatment or manipulation that is not just limited to cracking or um, adjusting the joints, but also involving some techniques that would be called indirect or gentle. The goal of everything that DOs do or osteopathic doctors do is to try to restore the body to as much of its natural state of symmetry as possible in order for fluid to flow and um, things to feel better. The downside, if you will, of any manipulation treatment is that none of us are perfect or symmetrical. And so oftentimes if we have something like back pain and we get an, we get an adjustment, it may come back because we all go back to work or we mm -hmm. go back to our bed and we sleep in the wrong position again. Um, but I would say it's one additional thing uh, that is available to patients uh, that to relieve some of these common symptoms. Gotcha. What what do you find to be some of the most, what symptoms or um, conditions do you find some of those practices to be most helpful for? I think generally manipulation is most helpful uh, for musculoskeletal pain mm -hmm. in a sense that the manipulation is the hammer and the, the muscles and the bones are, are nails that we can kind of hit and uh, pop and adjust. But one thing that we think about in osteopathic medicine is what else can we impact with manipulation and treatment? And when we think about, you mentioned your friend with the feelings of faintness and, and passing out, those are impacted by our, our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And part of the adjustments that we do in the neck or in the, in the lower back or even the sacrum, we think about if these joints are moving better, what might the nervous system be able to do or be able to control? Um, and so there is indication, you could say, or there is the option to try to improve symptoms like fainting or headaches or upset stomach with manipulation, not in the sense of, you know, voodoo or magic, but the idea that if the nerves are, you know, free to move right. um, and if the fluid is free to flow, that this might help you feel better. It might not. And then we, we can do something else. But it is something to think about. 
Nice thing to have in the toolbox. I think so. Yeah, nice options. Some nice options with that. Great. Well, we have a few minutes left, so uh, we'd love to have you call in with your questions for Dr. Moschel. You can give us a call now at 605 692 1430. 605 692 1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Shingles, also called herpes zoster, is a painful rash disease. Shingles can lead to severe nerve pain called postherpetic neuralgia that can last for months or years after the rash goes away. Shingles is caused by the varicella zoster virus, the same virus that causes chickenpox. If you've had chickenpox, you can get shingles. Almost one out of three people in the United States will develop shingles in their lifetime. You can get shingles at any age, but it's more common in older adults. Older adults also are more likely to have severe disease. The Center for Disease Control recommends that people age 50 and older get the shingles vaccine called Shingrex. Set an appointment to discuss shingles with your provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Dr. Jonathan Michelle here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Dr. Michelle practices family medicine at the Vera Medical Group, Brookings, and he's happy to answer your questions. 605 692 1430. Today we've been talking quite a bit about blood pressure. That's our Prairie Doc topic this week. Uh, um, as I'm learning, a good one for all of us to think about and be aware of and to get checked regularly so we can watch for signs and symptoms if that is um, not not where it's supposed to be. It sounds like we have a lot of tools available to help us make sure we keep those under control. And also enjoyed hearing Dr. Michelle explain some of the unique things um, his DO training provides uh, as treatment options as well for patients. Dr. Michelle, let's go back to talking some more about blood pressure and our heart and all those important things. Tell us more about cardiovascular disease. What is that? Is that related to blood pressure? Yeah, that's a, a good question and a, a question a patient asked me before. Cardiovascular disease is a very broad topic. Most often it's referring to uh, the state of our arteries all of our arteries in our body as we age can become um, hardened and with uh, cholesterol we can have plaques that form i would say to some degree that's age appropriate it might vary on uh, family or genetics disease is really when the organ becomes impaired you could say when the um, arteries become or the plaque becomes significant and builds up or even breaks off that's the uh, the cause of a, tradi a traditional heart attack that we think about. Um, and I, w I do want to go back to one topic or wrap up one topic that I think patients ask a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and that's if I have high blood pressure, if I'm on this medication, why do I need to go to the doctor that often? Why do I need my blood to be checked? Um, and it does get back to monitoring. We talked about side effects of blood pressure that's too low or blood pressure medication doses that are too high. But common blood pressure medications do work in your kidneys 
They might affect your fluid or affect your electrolytes. And they also might affect the way that your kidneys are functioning or filtering. So although you're, it's a hassle, I think, to have to go to the doctor every three months or six months for a checkup and a uh, blood test, some people do have side effects to these medications. And that's what your doctor is monitoring for and caring about. Um, those medications are, um, are good. They benefit our um, hearts oftentimes. They do prevent cardiovascular disease like we were talking about. But some blood pressure medication classes do need to be monitored. And I just wanted to, to mention that. It's a great point. Keep, keep on top of those things. They're helpful, but we got to make sure we're doing all the right things. Great. Um, Dr. Michelle, we had another question come in. This person says they had their gallbladder removed uh, for 20 years. Now, all of a sudden, I have an excess bile production. I'm on chlorostriamine. Is this a temporary thing or long-term? And what could cause this? Um, so I've had a gallbladder removed for a while, and for 20 years, and now having excess bile production. Interesting. I would just say, off the top of my head, that's not something I know a lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the, the side effect, certainly the gallbladder does store bile. And a common symptom that we get if our gallbladders are taken out is something it's not pretty, but it's called dumping syndrome. And really, it means that we can't deal with our fat in our in our guts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're having um, complications or the, the symptom of excess bowel production and the medication is recommended, I think as long as, the, as long as the symptoms are present, you might be using that medication to hopefully feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that certainly, I think, could be liable to change. So all that to say... I don't know the exact answer, um, and it's a good question for your doctor or your um, GI specialist if you have one. Yeah. So, yeah, talk more about the gallbladder and its role, and if we have it removed, some of those things we might experience. Yeah. So the gallbladder, like any organ in our body, is probably more complex than we know. The gallbladder does um, release hormones um, or respond to hormones from the stomach and the the pancreas to help us... um, release bile and to digest fat. Um, and so really the primary side effects of a gallbladder removal we think about as um, GI-related, like diarrhea um, or um, urgency where you, you eat and then you're having to rush to the bathroom, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there certainly may be other things that we experience with the gallbladder removed that um, we just haven't made a connection yet. Okay. Well, it's time for us to wrap up already, Dr. Michelle. Really appreciate having you on today. Is there anything else you want to say before we close today? I just, I think that in the winter, it's easy to, to take it easy. Yes. <laughs> you know, the, the snow, the cold keeps us in. Um, but unfortunately, in our region, winter is a four or five month process. And I've, I've noticed the difference coming from, you know, a much more temperate climate in Virginia. Yes. So the message is, I think it's, if your plan is to, to walk when it's nice, that's a great plan for exercise. That might be a plan only reasonable for six months out of the year. Yes. <laughs> so I think there's a challenge that we all have. Um, and I think activity is just as important in the winter as it is in the summer. Excellent. Great reminder. Thank you. Before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. 
This week on Thursday, March 22nd, Prairie Doc host Dr. Kelly Evans-Hullinger is joined by Jose Haneo from Monument Health Rapid City and Dr. Amy Cook from Sanford Health Brookings Clinic to discuss hypertension and high blood pressure. So tune in tomorrow night on SDPB television or look for this episode on the Prairie Doc YouTube channel or Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jonathan Moschel for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.